0: Welcome to the Bill Kelly Podcast. I'm Bill Kelly. Well, the Mueller report was completed on Friday, and the U.S. Attorney General released a summary saying that there was no evidence that the Trump campaign colluded with the Russians during the 26th campaign. Not going over very well in the States. How is it impacting American politics? We'll talk about it. Also, at the annual Manning Network Conference, Premier Ford accuses journalists of being far left and intent on distorting the message of politicians. Hmm. The Bill Kelly Podcast starts now. Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Clearly, the story that uh, is grabbing the news uh, just about every place around North America, and I guess around the world for that matter too, was uh, well, the release of the Mueller report that we did know about, well, we have not seen the Mueller report. What we got yesterday, of course, was a uh, an abridged version of uh, the Mueller report from Attorney General William Barr on Friday. The Mueller part re- report, rather, was completed. Uh, but uh, it's the Attorney General who actually is going to make the determination as to how much of this we're going to see. Uh, so 22 months of investigation was crammed into uh, four pages. Uh, and that was what was read yesterday. And uh, well, the, there's, a, there's a lot of argument and a lot of debate about exactly what was said. And, and it's, uh, rightly so, a lot of American people are rather skeptical.
1: If there's no collusion, then like Trump says, there's no collusion. But I don't believe a word he says. Um, You can't believe a word anybody in power says because they could get fired at any minute.
0: I cannot believe that of all the other convictions that are happening about this, that Trump is going to be scot-free. Well, on the other hand, of course, there are a lot of people that just say this is it, total exoneration, notwithstanding the fact that apparently Mueller's report says that he could not exonerate Donald Trump in these matters. So what happens? What are the implications? And is this over yet? Joining us to talk with us is uh, Jared Yates Sexton, political commentator and American author of The People Are Going to Rise Like the Waters Upon Your Shore, a story of American rage. Jared, thank you so much for joining us on The Bill Keller Show. Good to have you with us today.
2: Hey, great to be here, Bill.
0: Let's talk a little bit about your reaction. Uh, The the report came on Friday. There was great anticipation over the weekend exactly what was going to be happening and, and what we were going to learn from this. Uh, And out of 22 months of of testimony and and investigation from the Mueller team, uh, we get a four-page letter from the Attorney General. Uh, Is that going to cut it?
2: You know, I'm really sitting here surprised this morning, watching how our media is covering the story. Um, You know, they're basically trumpeting this partisan four-page memo that only includes partial quotes from the Mueller report. Uh, that doesn't give a lot of context. We don't really understand what was found there And yet media outlets are running with this thing and the narrative it's presented and saying that again Trump has been completely exonerated while the report apparently says that it could not exonerate him um, I mean this feels like a large amount of political spin in a very very small document and so far a lot of people have went ahead and bit into the bait and, and I think what everybody feels um, who's skeptical of this thing, and, and I for one want to believe that I do not have a criminal president, we want to see the report for ourselves, we want more information in the matter, and we want to be able to make up our own mind based on what's been found, and I, I, I just think that's common sense at this point.
0: One of the first red flags, is uh, I was watching the news yesterday and they started to read the report uh, verbatim, I mean, reading it cold actually because it was just handed, and of course they wanted to get it on the air. Uh, as you just alluded to, uh, the one part of that four-page, the, the, let's just say there the were little bits of, of quotes from the Mueller report, but it was really Barr's four-page letter. It was not from Mueller. And and he mentioned the fact that Mueller says that he could not admonish the president in this. But then basically, like two lines later, uh, Barr in his release says, but I've reviewed the evidence and I tell you that there was no collusion nor any obstruction. Uh, This is an amazing jurist if this guy can go through 22 months of testimony in less than 48 hours and make that determination.
2: And this is an individual, you might remember, who wrote a memo not too long ago that basically said that a president cannot obstruct justice. I mean, I'm not so sure how we can look at this situation and, and see this attorney general as being a nonpartisan figure and to be the person who makes this determination. Um, obviously, there are things that have been found. And, and what a lot of people haven't been paying attention to is that Robert Miller, as a, as a prosecutor, had to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt in order to indict people of these crimes. We do not know what was found. We do not know what evidence might have been found toward it, and maybe it didn't rise to the point of prosecution. These are things that we need to know because, you know, to quote back to the Times of Nixon, we need to know if our president is a crook. And I think that we have a right to know this, and particularly to get beyond the the partisan uh, gatekeeper and bar in this situation.
0: Well, there lies the problem. And, you know, I guess we've been exposed to so many of these things over the years, dating back to Watergate, really, Jared. Uh, that, that, you know, we, we, we have every right to be skeptical about this. But, uh, you know, that's one of the questions I would like to have answered by Robert Mueller, not from William Barr, is what, where was, the, excuse the pun, where was the bar set here? Uh, because obviously as a, as a veteran uh, prosecutor, uh, Mueller would be going after something and basically say, look, at, can we get a conviction on this? And if the answer is no, then they don't proceed. And we see that happen time and time again in legal proceedings. We don't know if that's what happened here.
2: Well, and and look at that that sentence that everybody is going around to, which is that the investigation did not establish that there was collusion. Um, This is a very, very large report, particularly to be boiled down into four pages. Um, That one sentence could be followed by dozens of pages of evidence that rise up to uh... the possibility of suspicion i mean there there's no telling how this thing was written what the rhetoric behind it was and and anybody who has done any writing whatsoever can tell you how misleading a poll quote can be from any document i mean you can frame these things however you want and and that just, again, leads to more suspicion, and, and it, I think it would be better for everyone if there was just transparency that would lend some sunlight to the situation so we could get either get ahead of it or take care of it. And I think that's what people want at this point.
0: Well, and because there's so many unanswered questions, I mean, what we do know from little bits of, of information that has sifted through uh, the report as Mueller was doing this investigation, uh, we do know that Donald Trump Jr. and Jared Kushner met with Russians in the Trump Tower. We know that to be the case. Uh, we know that he lied about it, and Donald Trump actually helped draft the letter that basically lied about that. Now, that's, I guess, I, I don't know if that meets the threshold of objection, objection, but these are things that happen. We know that Roger Stone uh, talked to the president and said, hey, there's a big waft of emails coming. Less than 24 hours later, the WikiLeaks thing happened. So, I, I mean, there, there seems to be a lot of circumstantial evidence here, and, and uh, we don't know if that's included in that. We don't know exactly how they made those evaluations.
2: You know, I've tried to go at this from every angle possible, because I, I think whenever you have suspicion that you have to sort of look at yourself and re-examine where you're at at any given time, and in this case, if it so happens that there is no collusion and that there is no obstruction of justice, what we're looking at is one of the greatest assortments of coincidences. We have a president who brought on Paul Manafort, who had these incredibly uh, problematic ties with the Russian groups. Um, We also have everybody within his campaign circle who meets with Russians, um, tries to influence them and have their influence and then lies about it and then covers it up over and over and over again. And what we don't have now is answers about how all of that fits together and why it all happened. And again, I do not understand how we can move forward in any of this without some sort of direction in, in finding out why this
0: happened and how it happened. You know, I remember just as I was getting into this business, watching the Watergate hearings back in the 1970s, and and there's a major difference here. I know people like to draw those connections, and there are some certainly there. But the I, I guess the main thing that I noticed and the difference between this situation and that, that unfolded before our eyes. Those hearings were public. and There, there was not, no closed-door sessions going on there the the committee had the witnesses there and if the witnesses refused to show up we knew that and we knew, uh, there's a lot of stuff that's that's unanswered here simply because there's a lot of stuff that went on behind the scenes because it was a different kind of investigation
2: Sure. And one of the things that we lose in history is we streamline narratives quite a bit. And so everyone basically assumes that The Washington Post and The New York Times took down Richard Nixon and that it was a straight line. But there were rises and falls in this. I mean, there were times where every headline in the country basically said The Washington Post was chasing ghosts and it was a witch hunt and they made this mistake and this mistake. We continually fail to look at history and learn the lessons. And I think in a couple of weeks when we look back on this, we're, we're going to be really shocked that people jump to the conclusions that they have and that it is basically given rhetorical cover to this president and the administration. I think it's really, really irresponsible and really, really rushed.
0: You know, and again, as I'm listening to this yesterday, there's so many questions. I, I just alluded a second ago to the Trump Tower meeting uh, with Trump Jr. and with, uh, with uh, Jared Kushner there. Uh, one of the the glaring things that I think a lot of us noticed, uh, as we th- knew that this report was drawing to its conclusion, is neither one of those gentlemen ever testified uh, in front of the Mueller probe. And and the question I obviously have is, why not? Uh, was it because they didn't think there was anything wrong, or did was the subpoena that he issued for those refused? Because let's face it, the Attorney General, or even the Acting Attorney General, because it was Matt Whitaker before it was Mr. Barr, uh, could have put a stop to this at any time. I mean, every every subpoena that that uh, Mueller and his team would want to issue had to go past Whitaker's desk, and if he said no, you're not going to do that. We may never know that that's exactly what occurred.
2: Right. And we may never know exactly what happened in terms of the interactions between the Trump campaign and Russian influences in the 2016 election. But what we do know and what has been in public time and time again is that everyone in this orbit has either lied about this when confronted with it or they've had these efforts to stonewall the investigation, whether it's not going in to testify or it's slandering people in public or uh you know, in Donald Trump and Donald Trump Jr.'s case, uh, fabricating this letter that is misleading and, and seemingly lies about uh, what has happened. We need to know why all of this has occurred and and what was found. Because again, if this is a giant coincidence, which feels unlikely, but if it is, I think everyone would feel so much better and more secure to simply have the information. But as of right now, this thing really raises a lot more questions than it gives answers.
0: Well, where do we go from here? Where do the American people go from here? Where does the the uh, congressional J- uh, committee go from here in situations like this? I mean, uh, you know, to listen, I'm just uh, you follow on social media, you know, the the Hannitys and others that have already jumped in on this, and Giuliani saying, look, not only is this over, we we're going to investigate the investigation now and see how come this thing started in the first place. Uh, there's there's a lot of smoke that, that's being blown right here, right, and I'm wondering if this is this is going to cause an awful lot of confusion if there's ever going to be an attempt to try to get at the truth here.
2: You know, I think from the very beginning, anybody who was being honest about the situation knew that even when the Mueller report dropped, regardless of what it said, there was going to be debates about what it meant, and everyone would take it its own way and have their own fights. In this case, I think we're lucky that we have Democrats who can, um, you know, call Barr to testify, who can uh, subpoena information. I, I, I think... We have a situation that is going to develop by the day, and we really have no idea where this thing is leading, even though people are already uh, writing the in-node paragraph of this story. I, I think we're going to see this thing change and transform over the coming
0: days. Well, there's an election coming up in about a year and a half, and, and it seems to me, at, least at this stage, Jarrett, that this thing may drag around not just uh, through the campaign, but maybe even during the election itself, because there are going to be appeals, there are going to be judicial inquiries into this. Uh, we still don't know what's going on with the Southern District of New York and what's happening with that particular uh, avenue. Uh, this, this is not over by any stretch of the imagination, is it?
2: No, it's not. And the thing that's getting lost in all of this, I've been very shocked to see these media stories that are talking about Trump has an opportunity to rewrite his presidency. I mean, this is a man who for three years has lied and degraded people and put people in danger. I mean, his rhetoric has literally led to attacks and hate crimes. I really don't see how any of this makes much of a difference when it comes to the 2020 election, besides being a sideshow that takes attention away from the matters at hand. I mean, this is a thing that's going to continue. And God knows it might last years after Donald Trump is out of the presidency. But what we have right now with 2020, I believe we're going to see a lot of Democratic candidates who are going to attack his record as opposed to this Mueller business. And I, I think we really have no idea how that's going to play out.
0: Can, uh, there's two things that, that seem to be the, the, the hallmarks of, of the people that are saying that the president has been vindicated, including the president himself, I guess. Uh, one, and, and you touched on one of them just a second ago, uh, why is everybody lying? If nothing wrong occurred here and nobody was doing anything covert, why did everybody lie? Every, just, uh, and, and we know who they are because many of them have been charged and some of them convicted of, of misleading. the. the. And, and the second one is, We're supposed to believe that with a guy like Donald Trump, who's a hands-on guy, as we know with his organizations, that if this did go on, that he knew nothing about it? That's a bit of a stretch.
2: This whole thing is a head-scratcher. I mean, it basically from the beginning, uh, back in the summer of 2016, all of the dots were there on the page. I mean, I was being contacted by members of the Trump campaign who said something is going on here and this Russia thing is weird. People have been saying this from the beginning. I mean, you had Donald Trump standing in front of a camera saying live, Russia, hack Hillary Clinton's emails. I mean, there's one thing after another that has happened that is suspicious. And and I, for one, I, I want to believe that a president is not a criminal and hasn't been compromised. And I think a lot of people feel that way. And if we see the evidence and we see how all this lines up, I think we'll feel better and we'll, we'll come at it with good faith. But as of right now, this whole thing makes no sense. And when you look at the bar memo being a partisan memo with these weird pull quotes and bizarre synt- uh, syntactical structure... I, I think that that suspicion only heightens. I mean this feels like someone is trying to get away with something.
0: Well, I mean, if you just follow the chronology here, I mean he basically fired Jeff Sessions as Attorney General because sessions wouldn't carry his water for him uh, and and wouldn't do what he wanted to do uh, vis vis firing Comey or anybody else he matter of fact he recused himself and And I guess the skeptic in me is saying, well you know is is, is William Barr his guy then uh, you know who's going to carry out all the stuff that Trump wanted to ha- see happen? Uh, and and the, the, that's it's just one more element here that adds, I think, an awful lot of skepticism to what has gone on here right now. I I, I guess it's really up to the Congress now to, to pick up the ball from here, isn't it?
2: It really is, and and I feel like one of the things that's happening today, and this is one of the reasons why I'm so frustrated with American media, who just continually, uh, like Charlie Brown, keeps trying to kick the football. Um, They just don't understand the influence that they have, the way that they are covering this, the rhetoric that they're using, saying that Mueller is exonerating Trump, which is so, so dangerous, actually hampers the business of government, the oversight that needs to happen. They're actually undercutting Democrats who have a necessary and constitutional role for oversight in this situation. And they're actually hindering any ability for people to get the information that they deserve and that they should be given. And, and I think that the, the media has consistently fallen for these tricks, and I think Donald Trump and the people around him know that they'll always fall for these tricks, and so they're incredibly vulnerable, and and they become unwitting uh, helpers in this entire situation. It's really, really unfortunate.
0: Well, as they say in our business, more to come, I guess. Jared, thank you so much for the time. Great talking with you today. Thank you, Bill. Take care. Jared Gates-Sexton, of course. Uh, fascinating book, too, The People Are Going to Rise Like the Water Upon Your Shore, The Story of American Rage. And there's a lot of that around the Americans today because of what happened over the weekend.
3: You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. It
0: was uh, quite the uh, the political sideshow watching uh, the reaction to what was going on yesterday when, uh, I guess around uh, 3.30 or so, Eastern time anyway, that uh, Attorney General William Barr released this four-page report. Didn't even There was no media coverage of this. I mean, it's not as if he said, okay, there's going to be a press conference. Uh, I'll do this and we'll do a question and answer. You guys can... Yeah, let me know what's going on. I mean, I, I would have loved to have seen Barr at a table along with Robert Mueller, and and maybe Rob Rosenstein, who's the Assistant Attorney General, and uh, and let them t- say what, exactly what went on. Instead, we just get this little uh, abridged uh, version, four page long uh, version, and it's it's obviously it's William Barr's version of uh, what he thought the report contained, uh, without any input at all or any op- opportunity to question Mueller, and that that's somewhat problematic, and and the fact that. You know, he contradicted uh, Mueller's report. I think two lines into this, when when Mueller said that you know he would not admonish the president in uh, in the investigation about uh, a cover up and about obstruction, but uh, Barr said, "Yeah, but I will." Uh, so, and as I said a few minutes ago, I find it fascinating that eighteen months worth of testimony and 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 God knows how many pages of stuff that uh, that he handed over, uh, that Mr. Barr was able to just ascertain, you know, with in less than forty eight hours that there was no collusion that there was no attempt to obstruct now it's it's interesting we're going to get some some further input into this in just a couple of minutes but it's it's fascinating to see the the way that get this gets spun and that's i i suppose a, a, a result of the social media impact on this i mean people basically got out of this what they wanted to if you really believe that there was something going on uh you're skeptical about this but if you are a big fan of donald trump and i hear from a lot of them every day uh, that said, that, look at he was just getting the uh, short end of the stick through this whole thing. Well, you saw that happen, uh, that, you know, because even though, even though Barr even quoted uh, that one line from the report that said that that they could not uh, exonerate Trump uh, when it came to the obstruction thing, uh, Barr did, and and within 15, 20 seconds, uh, the, the White House already issued a tweet that said, you know, totally exonerated. And of course, that was along the lines of the commentaries that uh, the Trump was giving when he was at the airport in Florida. Uh, And then even when he got back into Washington, total exoneration, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's not what we think the report said, which goes all the way back to what we've been saying all along when this report was finally going to be completed, is it should be reviewed, uh, certainly, and I understand that there may well be some sensitive materials there. But, you know, this idea about exerting executive privilege or national security— uh, you know, and we've seen this happen within other reports that have been released, of course, where all of a sudden there are huge lines and sections of this that are redacted, blocked out, in other words. And uh, we say, well, it was national security. Well, who makes that determination? Or, you know, is it, is it simply because it might be uncomfortable information? We really don't know what's happening. So uh, there's a, a real pushback, and Democrats and Republicans are butting heads on this. The American public, I think, are really divided. If this uh, there was any idea or any desire that this was actually going to bring the people together, uh, it hasn't happened yet. I want to talk to Reggie Cicchini about this. Reggie, of course, is Washington producer and correspondent with Global News, based in Washington, D.C. Reggie, thanks so much for the time on a busy day. Glad you could join us today. Good morning. Listen, you made an interesting point in one of the reports you filed just a little while ago, and I wanted you to maybe expand on that. One, Because uh, I heard this yesterday, too, as uh, we were watching a lot of the the uh, politicians uh, popping onto all the, uh, the television talk shows and uh, you're trying to give us their opinions on this. Uh, some are surmising that the reason that, uh, that Mueller uh, could not actually hang on obstruction on this is because they're saying, well, if there was no collusion, there can't be obstruction. Now, now I'm not a lawyer, but that seems to be a pretty feeble argument.
3: It, it is, and you know the mo- the thing that people are pointing to right now, and kind of the most talked about example that's being thrown around by both pundits and the media is is to look at Martha Stewart. When Martha Stewart went to jail, it was on a uh, conviction of obstruction of justice linked to insider trading. But Martha Stewart was never convicted of insider trading. There was no collusion that she was uh, charged with, but she was ultimately charged with obstruction. So there is a legal argument to say that you can obstruct justice without colluding, because uh, Rudy Giuliani was on CNN yesterday saying well look if the president you know if there was no crime committed what's he going to be charged with obstructing an investigation into no crimes obstruction is obstruction regardless how you look at it if an investigation is ongoing and you're getting in the way of it that's obstruction that's where people are trying to look at this right now
0: well and that's the way i was thinking too and i'm glad you, you explained this to our listeners uh, because obviously the, the, if in fact there is obstruction, and we, I, I can probably cite a couple of examples right off the top of my head, uh, one of them being the misleading letter uh, that uh, Trump wrote trying to uh, explain away why his son was at that meeting with the Russians in Trump Tower. There was that element, firing James Comey because he wouldn't lie on, on Flynn. Those, those are two elements of this. Uh, and at the time, it's obstructing the investigation. Whether or not the, 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 the investigation determines whether
3: there's a crime or not is almost inconsequential. You're still guilty of trying to stop the investigation, aren't you? Absolutely. And that's where Democrats are trying to kind of push right now to say this is why we need to have this report released. We need to see what the underlying information is that Robert Mueller has found over the last 22 months. And the second push on that is Robert Mueller spent 22 months and interviewed hundreds and hundreds of people and had a dozen or more lawyers taking care of all of these investigations. The question that Democrats are asking now is how was, uh, was William Barr able to come up with this summary of notes and this determination that the president did not commit any kind of obstruction in 48 hours without sitting down and having an actual conversation with the president. That's where these questions of a political appointee could be potentially changing the narrative of this report before we actually see it.
0: I, I know there's a lot of skepticism even about the timing of this. Uh, that uh, you know, just after Barr is finally sworn in as the the new Attorney General, uh, the the report is winding down, and we're told that it's going to be imminent. Uh, so I, I don't know if there's any pressure being exerted uh, on, on, on Mueller by Barr. But we do know this, that uh, when his predecessor, well, the acting attorney general at that time, Matt Whitaker, appeared before the, uh, the, 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 com- the committee there, the congressional committee on this, he misled them about any conversations he had with the president about the Mueller report. So you got to ask yourself just what's going on and was there a fix going on here that we really don't know about yet?
3: Absolutely. And there's questions that are also surrounding William Barr's judgment on how uh, this information was passed on to him, because you have to remember, before he was even nominated for this uh, position of attorney general, he, you know, at his own behest, just decided to write an 18 page letter to Donald Trump, basically laying out a line of why obstruction charges against a president are meaningless and and shouldn't bear any fruits and shouldn't really move forward. You know, fast forward a year later, he's now the attorney general. And he's basically put the letter that he gave to the president uh, in a legal law right now by saying, look, there is no obstruction. The president didn't commit any obstruction these are my summary notes right now this is what I've already said once before uh you know there's questions you know as to whether or not when he was talking to uh the nomination committee for his uh or the senate committee for his nomination whether or not he was being truthful about all that
0: well and you have to ask yourself just how objective is as an attorney general being uh who's already given us his opinion on this I mean you know the, 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 has he made up his mind on this before he even opened Mueller's report that he already said it was a waste of time and money uh, and that you know that because, as you just mentioned, that the, a sitting president can't be indicted about any of this stuff. So, if with that mindset, I uh, don't you know how objective is he going to be. Because all we're doing now is getting information through his filter. We're not seeing Mueller. We're not hearing from Mueller. We're certainly not seeing the report yet.
3: And I think that's why Democrats are pushing so hard to say that we need to have this information put under the public eye. We need to be able to let the ju- uh, the judicial committees uh, basically examine each piece of evidence that Robert Mueller looked at, each piece of paper that Robert Mueller handed over to the Justice Department, uh, you know, redacted or not, whether or not they could look into it, and say, you know, if the if the Attorney General has kind of rushed to judgment right now, we should be able to look into that because, look, Special Counsel Robert Mueller's job was to take the information and investigate it. The Attorney General is then, uh, you know, uh, tasked. With with taking that information and making a final stamp on it. But when it comes to something down the line, say as severe as impeachment, that's up to the uh, to the congressional Democrats and Republicans that are the elected people in America that kind of are the check and balance on the White House. So that's why they're saying, well, look, if there are things that we need to look at right now, this could potentially pose problems down the line when it comes to the White House, and we need to be the ones to make these ultimate decisions.
0: One of the other elements that I, I think raised a few eyebrows yesterday is, is to say that one line where Mueller apparently in the report, because we haven't seen it yet, uh, uh, says that he can't exonerate the president, but uh, two lines later, Barr says, "But I will. Uh, I reviewed this, and there was no collusion, and there was no obstruction of justice." Uh, and, and what a lot of, of cynics were saying, and some of the observers were saying, Reggie, was look at that's not the attorney general's call uh, to, to make that determination. I mean, you know, he, in other words, he's he's not just presenting information now; he's evaluating that information.
3: Absolutely. And that's where uh, that's where Democrats or at least lawmakers are saying that should be our decision to say whether or not uh, the, the president has basically obstructed justice and whether or not he's kind of gone above and beyond in towards that, you know, potential high crimes and misdemeanors and however you want to look at it in a constitutional way as to what it means to impeach. That's where the conversations are heading right now. There's a whole lot of unknowns about this report. There's a whole lot of things that need to be unpackaged before we're able to kind of fold things up and start to move forward. So it's, it's interesting to know that we had, you know, dozens and hundreds of questions related to this Russia investigation. Now the Russia investigation is wrapped up and we have dozens of questions regarding the Russia investigation.
0: <laughs> uh, it's the methodology and, and all these questions that we thought we were going to get answered uh, and might still in the, in the fullness of time. But I mean, as of now, they're not answered. And I, The one I, that sticks with me, as I mentioned earlier in the program, uh, was the meeting in Trump Tower with Jared Kushner and Donald Trump Jr. with those Russians that were involved in that. Uh, It was just days before, of course, the quote-unquote leaked emails, the Hillary Clinton emails. You have to ask yourself, you know, what was discussed? They said it was about adoption. We know that's not true, so that's misleading. Uh, The other element to that, though, is why were Kushner and and Trump Jr. not uh, interviewed by the the Mueller team? Uh, Is it because they didn't think that was important? I I find that hard to believe. Or was it because, for instance, maybe the subpoenas they wanted to issue for those two were denied by the Attorney General's office?
3: Well, it's very possible. We heard from the Attorney General that, you know, Robert Mueller, anything that he came to and requested, nothing was turned down. Nothing was kind of stepped on. His toes were kind of left to be able to walk as he needed to. So we're not sure as to to why uh, those conversations didn't happen. It's the same thing as to why a presidential conversation didn't happen. No subpoena was issued to have the president testify, but why they didn't have a conversation and why they were able to accept these kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, vetted answers from Trump's lawyers that were handed back to the special counsel. There's a big question that also is being raised here is that the reason that Trump's lawyers didn't want him sitting down with special counsel is because they felt that this was a perjury trap. Well, if the special counsel has found that there was no collusion with Trump and with any of Trump's campaign associates, what was the fear about this perjury trap uh, that the lawyers felt that the president was going to fall into? That's a question that wasn't answered by William Barr in his summary yesterday, which also, just kind of as a by-the-way thing, this summary that Barr put out only contains two quotes that aren't full sentences. We didn't actually get anything detailed from the report. This was kind of a, a selective pick and choose from William Barr as to either cover up things that are in there that we aren't going to know, or he felt that those were just the best things that he could put forward for Trump.
0: I guess one of the most elementary questions, which still remains unanswered, is if we're supposed to take Barr at his word here, that there was no collusion and that there was no attempt at a cover-up, why did everybody lie? I mean, just how, many, how many people that he brought before that committee lied to the committee about events? But they, they fabricated stories. Uh, some of them have been convicted of that. Uh, why all the, the, the untruth? Why all the, 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 the misdirection then if
3: there was nothing illegal or nothing untoward going on? I, I don't understand that it's one of the biggest unknowns right now and not only why did everybody lie but the big question is why was it only one foreign adversary that is kind of entangled in all of this why is it always Russia why was everybody lying about contacts with Russia why was everybody lying about potential uh help that Russia was giving say when it came to you know the, the whole Roger Stone and WikiLeaks thing why did all arrows point back to Russia why was there no comments you know about potential collusion with with the Saudis or with China or with even a, a close ally of America everything pointed back to Russia and with this no Russian collusion you know, uh, being found as opposed or uh, according to what William Barr has to say, it raises more questions as to why did Donald Trump surround himself with people who constantly made lies or were found to be making false uh, statements about the Russians. And it's something that we need to see the information from that Mueller report enabled in, uh, in order to uh, be able to put these pieces together because the puzzle has a lot of missing pieces right now.
0: Reggie, uh, is the next battle here going to be uh, with the, the Democrats on those committees to try to get information or maybe even to get Barr? and hopefully even Mueller before those committees?
3: There's a lot of steps right here. I mean, the Democrats have already said that they want to have uh, William Barr and Robert Mueller come to testify before uh, the committees, whether or not it's going to be via subpoena or just a simple ask that we would like you to come here. There's going to be fights going forward with the Democrats to say, well, what is it that we need to uh, uh, focus on going forward as we head to the election in 2020? Do we focus on kind of this this report that now says, well, great news, the president didn't collude with a foreign adversary. Do we push that while also trying to push domestic policy right now? It, it, there's a lot of eggshells that, that Democrats have to walk on, whereas Republicans are basically going to do victory laps for the next two years by saying, we told you so, we're going to use this as a proxy against the Democrats for the next 20 months, and we're going to show you that the Democrats peddled lie after lie, and that's why we are the ones who should be elected.
0: What about the Republicans? I want to get your read on that. You've had your ear to the ground over the last 48 hours talking to folks on the in the Beltway there. There were a lot of Republicans that were skeptical about Trump and frankly don't like him. Some of them have actually had the uh, the courage to actually speak publicly on this, but others were told there's a lot of grumbling behind the scenes. The uh, they were waiting for a report that was going to prove collusion or at least uh, obstruction of justice so they could say, aha. Now, do they back off? Because traditionally that that seems to be what they do, Reggie. Even those Republicans that aren't big fans of Trump, as, as soon as they figure hey, there's a possibility here that he's going to get a spike in popularity, we're going to jump
3: back on the bandwagon. You, you anticipate that going on again? I mean, it's possible. The Republican Party is a really fractured party here right now. You know, the people that don't like Donald Trump inside the Republican Party have been pretty steadfast about it. Those to have waffled are the ones who tend to always go back in line with Donald Trump. Somebody like Lindsey Graham didn't like Donald Trump at first. When Donald Trump can help Lindsey Graham out, Lindsey Graham then likes Donald Trump. When Donald Trump says something bad about John McCain, Lindsey Graham doesn't like Donald Trump. So there are there is this kind of split with for Trump and against Trump within the, uh, within the party. But you have to remember, those who said anything negative about Trump during this entire uh, 22-month investigation, Donald Trump is going to remember that, and he will not or may not go and campaign with these people that are up for election in 2020. So the Republicans that stood by him are going to be the Republicans that remain in the president's good books. Uh, as for those who said anything against him, they've got, you know, in the next couple of hours to try and reverse their statements and reverse their comments in order to get back into the good grace of the president.
0: Are the Democrats going to go full speed ahead on this? Or, as you say, are they going to be a little more cautious now? I mean, as, as I noticed initially yesterday afternoon, Reggie, when that four page thing was issued from Barr's office, uh, a lot of them kind of get back on their heels a little bit because they weren't quite sure what's going to be in there but i'm 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 am thinking now that that shock seems to have worn off i'm i'm getting a sense that there's anger there once again to say wait a second we we we're, we're, we're not being told anything here
3: Absolutely. There are some of the new Democrats. uh, Yeah, the new Democratic uh, 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 Congress people inside the United States that have been for impeachment. They ran on uh, impeachment and they said that this is what we're going to go after. There are some kind of more steadfast uh, uh, Democrats that have been in the party for a very long time that say, well, let's let's kind of hold back on this right now. Maybe impeachment isn't the way to go. We didn't run on impeachment in 2018 for the people who were trying to get reelected. Nancy Pelosi has already said, look, we need bipartisan support in order to have any kind of impeachment proceeding take place. We are not going to have that. This is probably going to be a difficult thing to do. Some Democrats are going to jump on this. Senator uh, Chris, uh, Kirsten Gillibrand has already been kind of making uh, campaign rallies over the weekend saying that we need to go after Donald Trump. Donald Trump should potentially be impeached. So you do have a split down the middle. But I think that the majority of, of Democrats are going to take this report. They're going to say, let's investigate what needs to be investigated. Let's try to close up any of the holes that this report has kind of left open. But let's also remember that the electorate out there has other issues on their mind, like health care, like... Uh, you know, insurance, like border security, uh, we need to be able to focus on those things as well because that's the old-fashioned way of running a campaign is on topics, not on one issue. Uh, To your
0: point, though, and I heard some of you reporting on this earlier, the Democratic uh, hopefuls that want that nomination uh, all seem to be backing away from the Trump idea. They are talking about those issues you've you've just referenced, about employment, about uh, the economy, things of this nature. Uh, Those are the ones that I guess they think are going to resonate with voters. Maybe the impeachment stuff and and the, the Mueller thing, not so much.
3: It's very possible because look, there's there's fatigue out there right now. This has been going on since the day that Donald Trump took presidency more than two years ago, and it's what we've been uh, seeing dominate the news and dominate kind of the issue calendar for the last 22 months. And I think that there is kind of a a, a wish from uh, a large majority of the elect- electorate, especially on the Republican side, to be able to move forward. This it, Russian collusion isn't something that impacts people's day to day lives like infrastructure or like healthcare, and there are people out there that actually want to see politics move forward in the way the politics should be working in the United States to keep that clock ticking in a circle. And and focusing solely on Russia collusion, as we have for the last two years, has been exhausting for the average American person. So I think that the Democrats might be able to take that and run with the idea that, like, look, let's leave Trump as is right now, let's let him fight his own battles, and let's remember that the Democratic policy is to move forward and help the Democratic people across the United States.
0: Reggie Giacchini with Global News in Washington, D.C. Reggie, always insightful. Thanks so much for the time today. Thank you. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. Well, at uh, the annual meeting of the uh, the Manning Network Conference, uh, that being Preston Manning, I uh, assume. So this is obviously a right-wing gathering, small C conservative, large C conservative gathering. Ontario Premier Doug Ford uh, lashed out again at journalists, uh, accusing them of being far left and intent on distorting the message of politicians. He says, you chop things up, you never let me have my say. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Uh, we're we're going to play a little bit of, of the, the address that he made. Unedited, all right, and uh, just to give you a flavor for what the Premier had to say.
4: Well, you know, so that's just the media. No matter if it's in the U.S. or up here, they're, they're far left. You know, they want to they spin uh, spin it. Present guess, company excluded, <laughs> but, of course. <laughs> but guess what? Now there's social media. So we're circumventing the, the media through our, our uh, social media, and we have uh, ONN, go online and look at ONN Ontario News now. And I'll tell you, during the election, uh, it drove the media crazy, because they, they want to take what you said and clip and chop and, and twist it around, but we went direct to the people. And they know they're, they're losing the battle because the numbers, they, they told me, we had Lindsey Vanstone as uh, we had a Ford Nation Live, we had to change it once we became in government, but The numbers they told me, Lindsay during the the campaign had 18 million, that's 18 million 30-second hits. Those are staggering numbers. That's more than global, CDV, City, all of them combined, and it drove them crazy because they couldn't spin the message. And I don't know how many of you run home at six o'clock to turn on the nightly news. It doesn't happen as often now. They go to social media and they see what's happening.
3: Do you think it's helping you to get your message out, or is it oh, hurting absolutely. you with oh, the media? It's,
4: it's helping us. Oh. The media is always going to take their stance. and You know, I, I, I get along with them one-on-one. I, I really do. I, I, I like them, but they're just... Uh, it's like the cheese slipped off the cracker with these guys, and they just went <laughs> far away.
0: Well, uh, playing to a home, hometown audience, I guess, I was at a conservative conference, uh, and that, that seems to be sport, obviously. You know, attack the media. I would talk to one of those guys from the media, uh, Richard Brennan, retired journalist now with the Toronto Star, who covered Queen's Park and Parliament Hill for these many years. Uh, Badger, thanks so much for the time. Good to have you with us today.
1: Hey, Bill. Uh, I think it was Mark Twain that said reports of my death have been greatly exaggerated, <laughs> and I think that this is uh, true here i I think every every government that I've ever covered has condemned the media and said they're, just, they're worse than the devil and they're either left-wing or they're right-wing or whatever they, it fancies them. This, this is not new, and I'm not surprised by it, quite frankly. But I, the the charge that we're, you know the media is irrelevant, well, guess what? We're still going to be there, and we're still going to do our jobs, and or I should say the people that came behind me. Will do the jobs and do the best of their ability, and uh, that will that will continue.
0: There's a couple of things at play here, and and. Uh, to, to suggest that people in the media don't have opinions is naive. Of course they do. Uh, and some who are reporters simply report. Others that are, are, are commentators will, will use those opinions, and you may agree or disagree with them. But I, I, I'm getting a little tired of people in both parties, by the way, both liberals and, and conservatives, who simply say anybody who writes a piece that's contrary to what these people are trying to put across to the public is all of a sudden their enemy, and they're skewing things. The, here's, here's what Doug Ford doesn't seem to get, and, and I get, I, I'm sensing this from from some of the reports I've seen from those that are covering Queens Park on a daily basis, like you did, uh, is they don't like criticism. I, no politician does, but n- moreover than not right now, they don't like anybody who's going to critique them. And, and when they come back and accuse the media of, of trying to spin this, what the hell do you think they're doing in government? Of course they're spinning it. You've seen how many years of press releases now, Badger, where they simply say, this is what we want you to regurgitate. They, they issue the press releases. We get dozens of them into the radio station newsroom every day. And, in, and they want the, the, the newscasters to simply read those things. Don't ever, don't ever try to dissect it. Don't ever try to analyze it and say, well, wait a minute, that's not right. They don't want to hear that. And as soon as you do that, then all of a sudden you're the enemy.
1: Well, it's 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 the same old story. If you don't, if you write something they don't like, then then you're either you know, uh, for example, myself, I have been accused of being, uh, screaming lefty. I've been accused of being a liberal, and I've been accused of being right wing nut. So figure it out. Uh, it's just it's just the way it goes. That's you know every government uh, takes this tax sooner or later. I mean. He's taking it a little earlier. I mean, it, it sounds very uh, Trumpian, quite frankly.
0: Well, you know, uh, th- there's an element of, of, of gamesmanship that's going on here. And, and I see this on a daily basis, as, as you did when you were writing stuff every day about what's going on. I mean, when we criticized the, the McGinty government for the gas plant scandal, we criticized the wind government for their, their energy plans and blowing money out the doors left, right, and center. I didn't hear from these people. You know, they seem quite content when people like myself would criticize a liberal government for this, but the minute you start criticizing a conservative government, all of a sudden you're a lefty, you're the enemy of the people. Here's the thing. I don't give a damn who's in the corner office of Queens Park or in Parliament Hill. If they're doing something that I think is wrong, I'm going to say so. And and so are you, and so are a lot of other commentators. And and if you can't take it, like you know, the, there's another colloquialism. If you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen.
1: Yeah, you know, I, the thing is that, I just wonder. I mean, it's it's easy to it's easy to slam the media. I mean, that that's becomes a favorite pastime of politicians. But you know, does it do they have any traction? I, I'm sure it does with their with their base. There, and this is all done. And what, what you know, what uh, Premier Ford is saying is all done for the base. It's just to you know cement their their support there and say look at you know you know the media is bad you know it we know it and it goes on and on i remember harper raising money on on in the event of a story that was very critical of the government at the time and he would use that to actually raise money from from the base
0: oh sure and and that to my point and and i think you just underscored this <laughs> People that, that react like this and say, "Yeah, Doug is right." You know, you're being played. Don't you get that you're being played? He's 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 using this this old saw that that the media is out to get him to try to solidify his political base. And you heard the applause that he got at this conference, uh, saying oh, yeah. exactly that, because that's what they want to hear. And and what this comes down to is is again, it's a matter that politicians don't like to be criticized, and they don't like to be told that they're BSing the public, which is what an awful lot of them do an awful lot of the time.
1: Well, my my concern is that it this could go too far, as it has in the United States, where where reporters have been a, shot, they they've been you know uh, beaten up, you know and, and threatened and all kinds of things because of this continual uh, let's see thread from in that case the uh, president's office that the media is you know fake and they're out to get us and they're just bad and and it's this and that and it's really it's really gone too far down there and i'd hate to see that happen here
0: well you know there's there's an an element i guess of degree here that we have to consider as well uh and and there are lots of great journalists lots of great talk show hosts lots of great writers and, and, and that 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 do this on a regular basis and uh you know, uh, I, I've been criticized by all three political parties, too. I mean, I, I get hate emails and phone calls and everything from, from all different— because I, I've said something that they don't like about their political party. But that's, that's the nature of the game. That's the way this has always been. Uh, and, and to Ford's point about, well, now we've got social media so we can combat that. No, that means you can have a direct link to the people that support you anyway. That's, let's face it, I don't know if there's too many people on the other side of the political spectrum that follow Doug Ford. So I mean, this is this is exactly what social media can do. You're only going to hear from and read stuff of, of, from people who you agree with to begin with, which only solidifies this and makes you feel pretty good. You don't want to hear contrary opinions.
1: Well, that's what the social media has become. It's just a echo chamber. So you, you you read what you or hear what you want to believe, and you don't really get any kind of. Uh, Neutral voice, or you know, a, an overview of what's happening in a particular situation. All you do is you, you'll hear from particular, you know, whatever side it is you're listening to, and that's all you're hearing. So it, it's not valuable information. It, it literally, like I say, it's just a echo chamber.
0: Well, and again, that's where characterizations and cliches come into play. And he, the, the premier, used the, uh, the the example too that the media is left wing. Uh, and, and I will look at, for instance, the national media. Well, I guess even to a certain extent, I guess the the, the provincial uh, media representatives here and and the people that I watch and read and listen to, uh, and you know most of these guys, Badger. I mean, if you want to start talking about Andrew Corn and Chantelle Bear and Rex Murphy, uh, Don Martin, uh, Rosie Barton, I, I mean, you go down the list. Those are not left wingers, and they're on the media every day, and and but they're being critical of the government of the day. Uh, now, right. if you if you just want to listen to people who are simply going to say the government, whomever it is, is always doing the right thing, that that's not a journalist, that's a cheerleader.
1: Well, look at for example, right now what's going on in Ottawa. I mean, every, every newspaper is it's going after the Liberal government for what it alleged to have done or didn't do you know, with the uh, SNC Lavalin, and are are the Tories or the Conservatives there saying that everybody's a lefty? I vote they're they're happy to see this critical coverage.
0: Well, yeah, and, and I know, because I got an email from somebody a little while ago that simply said, well, yeah, you want to criticize Ford, and you want to criticize Trump, but you don't criticize Trudeau for the SNC-Lavalin. Show me somebody who's supporting him. Please show me the article, or the commentary, or the editorial that says, no, nothing went on here. Uh, that may be the spin the government's putting on it, but I don't hear anybody in the media buying that.
1: Oh, no, no, it's just, it's, I it's, mean, it's just an it's an easy thing for any politician to do when they've got dead air. You know, if, if, if you, in their case, when they've got nothing else, they have nothing else to talk about, well, slam the media because that's always good for a few, a few minutes.
0: Well, and it, it's the polarization I think that bothers me. And I, I, I'm talking about this in the broader context. And you've been in the business a long time, and you understand, you know, that there's always going to be a, a divergence of opinions. There's always going to be a healthy debate on issues. But it just seems as if we've moved away from that. We don't want to hear debate any anymore right now. We just want to hear people and, and politicians or quote unquote journalists, although I use that term advisedly. Uh, they don't they just spew the same sort of stuff you want to hear. Yeah, and and it, i I think it's 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 rather hypocritical for Ford to be talking about how the left wing his- to use his quote the left wing media is spinning things and trying to chop them up uh and he already promoted the fact that he's got Ontario News now, which is basically a propaganda machine for his government paid for by Ontario taxpayers that's doing exactly the same thing, but I guess it's okay if he does it he just doesn't want anybody else to do it
1: well that's right, but it don't, it's not basically it is it is a propaganda tool that's what it is. And, and they're, you know, they're using it to their best of their ability, but, it's, you know, it's the job of the reporters covering Queen's Park and Ottawa is to dissect what's happening, dig a little deeper, just not go with what you're spoon-fed, and find out what's going on. And that's what they don't like, whatever a government of any stripe might be, that's, they do not like that when you start poking your nose into their business.
0: I, I mean, it's 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 funny how they just again. I, I just want to use some of the the premier's own words back here, uh, and and juxtapose that with what is actually going on here. You know, they, they, what, what was he saying here? They like to take what you said and clip it and chop it and twist it around, uh, and and so in other words, to try to alter people's opinions as to what was actually said. Well, what do you think they're doing? They do. <laughs> You know, it, it's it's funny, and because we hear this from Donald Trump all the time, uh, the criticisms that he levels at his opponents or at the media are really, really just a reflection of the stuff that he and his people are already doing. But it's a matter; it's the art of deflection.
1: Well, it isn't our job to just take dictation, and you know, no politician has ever understood that except when it, you know, it's when the other side's uh, uh, ox is being gored. But they, when they, when it comes to them they just they expect just a dictation that you whatever i say and don't 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 dissect what what i you know i'm saying look at it you know and just take it for what i'm telling you well sorry but you know every every government policy or announcement or something there's usually a, an understory under there and it's a reporter's job to look at the whole story not just what the government's feeding you
0: and I understand that part of this is, is you know, the, the fault of the handlers. I mean, it's it's not just the politicians, the premiers, the prime minister, whoever it might be in situations like this. It's it's the way they want to play the game right now, and it's it's simply that you know we're right and everybody else is wrong. There's no discourse uh, anymore, and it's it's really a problematic situation. And I think. I think that feeds to an awful lot of the concern that we've got right now. And you touched on this earlier in our conversation about how people are becoming so polarized uh, and and all of a sudden you're getting these radical views and, and, you know, it's led to violence in some situations where we we don't want to respect anybody to to have a contrary point of view right now. We want people to agree with us or they're bad people. That seems to be the the mindset that an awful lot of people have these days. That's pretty dangerous.
1: Oh, it is. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. And it, it is very concerning, and I, I, wish, I wish they would stop it, but I know they won't. so
0: Well, yeah, it's it's unfortunate how we seem to have cycled around to this kind of mindset right now, and this, this kind of uh, you know situation where there's, there's these two political ideologies, uh, and you simply say, "Okay, I'm going to watch that TV station or I'm going to listen to that commentator or I'm going to read this individual?" because everything they say is is a reflection on how I feel. Uh, that's, that's, that's how you breed ignorance. I mean, because there I have to be anybody who thinks they're right all the time. Uh, and I don't know too many people that do, but I mean, if that's the mindset you're going to have, that, that also leads us down a pretty dangerous road. You
1: no, know, it does. Well, I'll tell you right now, I'm maybe it's because of my age, but I'm one of those guys who watches the six o'clock news and I read two newspapers every day that come to my home. And then I read everything I can online yeah, so I would uh, disagree with Mr. Ford's take that, uh, that, you know, that the mainstream media has become irrelevant because it's uh, anything but. We're going through tough times. No, I say we because I'm not there anymore. But uh, the thing is, it is going through tough times. But the thing is, it will be around for a very long time.
0: You know, going back to John A. MacDonald in our country and and whatever president you want to reference down in the states, the media has always been there to hold elected officials' feet to the fire. And some of the stuff they're going to write, those elected officials aren't going to like. But that's the nature of the business. That's, That's really what this comes down to. And I'm I'm sure that, well, we know Nixon hated the media, obviously, because when Watergate started to happen, I mean, Woodward and Bernstein were were two swear words, I guess, as far as the Nixon White House was concerned. Uh, But there have always been politicians that are going to be upset with the media. But it's the public's job to make their own decisions about this and simply not say, okay fine, this is the guy that I like. And no matter what, because he's a conservative or because she's a liberal or whatever it might be, then I'm going to be with them through thick and thin. Uh, we, we've got to be a little more discerning about that. Some of the biggest critics that Donald Trump has right now, and has had since the beginning, are conservatives. They're Republicans. They're the, the you know the the Bill Crystals and 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 the the David Frums and and the, 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 that ilk that are hardcore conservatives for a long time right now. And they say this guy is is doing it wrong. And that's not that doesn't mean they've abandoned their Republican or their conservative values. It means this is not the right guy to be leading this country. And yet, they, all of a sudden, they're ostracized by the conservatives now because, well, you're not agreeing with the boss, uh, and that's that's not healthy.
1: Well, just just as an aside, you know, at least for example, with with the uh, Motor Report, we've we've gotten the government's take on things, and we're just supposed to accept that as you know as is true. Well, their report will have many more things to say when it comes out and the reporters will be there to dissect it and and, and and give it and give it out in the various ways on you know electronic media and, and newspapers they will they will say here's what you don't know and that's what government hates
0: well, it's a uh, it's interesting uh, take on this. I mean, this from a premier who reported last week is upset because his, uh, his caucus colleagues don't give him standing ovations when he says things in the in the legislature. Uh, th- kind of a thin skin, I would think. And it's it's maybe it's just because he's relatively new to this kind of politics. I don't know, but it's it's a very troubling trend that we seem to be following. Badger, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for this today. Okay, thanks, Bill Richard Brennan, of course, who did uh, Queens Park and uh, and of course Parliament Hill for many many years. And yeah, he ruffled a lot of feathers, and and that's really what the media should be doing, whatever your political spectrum is. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML. The Bill Kelly Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also listen to The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 till noon on 900 CHML. I'm Bill Kelly. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free